Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. And yes, it does. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today is Thursday, May 10th, 2012. Thanks for tuning in this evening. Our call-in number, if you'd like to be a part of the show, is 347-826-9170. Phone lines are filling up. We have 50 phone lines to our show, 41 are full at this time. So if you have any problems getting through, just keep trying. Uh, With me, as always, is Donna Smith, who actually is the producer of the show. Donna, a very important show this evening. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. Our show this evening, Gelled in Mexico, truck driver Jabe and Bogan, and we are going to get right into the facts concerning this situation uh, with our fellow driver, Javen Bogan, as you know, all uh, is uh, being detained in Mexico after accidentally crossing over the border with a trailer load of ammunition, uh, now facing up to a 30-year prison sentence, which should cause every professional CMB driver to be outraged. There's a lot of uh, misinformation flying around about this incident, and this evening we are going to set the record straight about the real facts concerning this atrocity and ask all of you to get involved and help bring Javen home. Our guests this evening are Aletha Smith, the mother of Jabin Bogan. Also with us is Carlos Spector, attorney for Jabin and his family. We have Dennis McKinney, co- uh, co-owner and CEO of Dimco Transportation, Jabin's employer. And finally joining us is Howie Glazer, owner of United Nations Ammo Company out of Phoenix, Arizona. And I've been getting a lot of emails from drivers across the United States, uh, a lot of questions about this situation and you'll hear the answers this evening from those who know best. And uh, I've got them, uh, let's see, I'm looking here. I've got a lot of people on the line, so I'm going to have to try to find everybody. But uh, we're on a mission to have Jabin Bogan released from Mexico and return to his home and family. So our special guest coming up on Truth About Trucking Live. Stay with us.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. I hear from a lot of newcomers to the industry who still have that entrepreneur spirit that has made the United States of America the great country that she is. And many of them still have one goal in mind, and that is to someday have their own rig and become an owner-operator. Truth About Trucking Live is all about providing honest, reliable information about the OTR trucking industry, especially for those just beginning their truck driving careers. Running your own trucking business is part of the entrepreneurial spirit that has kept America moving since trucking were first used by the military in World War One. If you're considering starting your own owner-off business, there's only one name that you need to know, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. LoneMountainTruck.com offers the best lease purchase plans in the industry. There's no huge balloon payment at the end, and when you make that final monthly payment, they hand over the title, the truck is yours. They require a very reasonable down payment, and the monthly payments are kept at an affordable $1,000 per month, and sometimes even less. A great inventory to choose from, including Peterbilt's, Volvo's, Internationals, and Freightliners, and all of their trucks are mechanically checked out, dependable, and ready to go to work. And unlike trucking company leases, if you choose to change motor carriers, the truck goes with you. It's your truck. Check them out at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free, 866-512-5685. LoneMountainTruck.com, the honest guys for the sweet lease deals. LoneMountainTruck.com. Man, it's crowded tonight. Care if I join you? Sure, have a seat. Sorry about the paperwork. Name's Cole. Appreciate it. I'm Harlan, by the way. Here's a fill-up for you guys. Thanks, honey. Harlan, you look hungry. What can I get you? I'll have a Coke and whatever he's having. Back in a bit. What are you doing with all this paperwork, driver? Looks like you're tripping over your trip sheets. Want to get a jump on these taxes before they jump me. There is a better way to manage your trucking paperwork. With TripSheetCentral.com, you're a login away from tracking every aspect of your business. TripSheetCentral.com organizes your information easily so you can see how your business is performing. That sounds easy. And it's fast. Time-consuming paperwork is eliminated with a low-cost monthly subscription. I no longer have to worry about invoices, settlement reports, or fuel tax returns. TripSheetCentral.com does that for me. Manage your business information securely with TripSheet Central. Visit TripSheetCentral.com at your next stop. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back. Uh, Thanks to our listeners on the phone lines, those in the uh, chat room, and everyone listening online. Thanks for joining us. A lot of questions for our guests with a few that might be a little tough, but questions that will be asked anyway. I see uh, uh, they've all made it here, Donna, except Dennis. I don't see him yet, but uh, uh, I'll keep an eye open for him. Okay. Uh, but before we get to it, let's uh, let's welcome our guests that are here, and uh, uh, we'll just get right into it. Aletha Smith, uh, thanks for joining us this uh, this evening. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for having me, and Donna as well. Thank you all so much. I'm David's mom. Thank you. Glad to have you. And Carlos Spector, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. The pleasure pleasure to be with you guys, and an opportunity to clarify some issues. 
that's what the show's all all about. And uh, uh, Dennis, I'm still looking for Dennis, but uh, Howie Glazer, uh, uh, thank you as well for joining us. Uh, you're very welcome. Whatever it takes to just drive home. And I just wanted to say hi to Aletha. Uh, I hi. haven't actually spoken to her yet, but uh, I feel the pain. Hi, hi. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we can get my baby mm-hmm. back home. Yeah, well, well, we need to do that. I know everybody's working at it, and uh, you know, before we start right in with the uh, with the questions uh, and uh, that many are wanting answers to, let's begin with an important aspect of all of this. Aletha, how how are you and your family holding up? How are you doing? Well, I'm I'm trying. I'm standing. I'm believing. We're Christians. I uh, return back. Excuse me. I return back to work Monday, and I'm just. Um, <clears throat> I feel like I need to, you know, to start doing something different, but my focus is really on getting Jabin home. I can't really focus on my job, but I just need to be away from home and just, you know, doing something else. And Jabin's little boy is really having a hard time with this. He's six years old. We finally explained to him why Daddy has not returned in the two weeks that he usually have a turnaround within two to three weeks. And we explained to him that he was in Mexico, and he wants to know how long he's going to be in Mexico. But we haven't told the detrimental part of the fact that Javen is incarcerated there. So it's been kind of hard. You know, he has a sister that's really been supportive. She's trying to meet with congressmen and make phone calls that I can't make and talking with Carlos Spector and others, the things that I can't do now that I'm back at work. And as well as his girlfriend, Tanya, you know, she's reaching out. We're having trying to do a little fundraiser this weekend by having a car wash just to kind of keep, you know, make ends meet. You know, we're just being a, a family just trying to just cohere together until we can get Javen home. You know, we just want Javen home. That's my goal is to get my baby back home. Oh, I know. I know it is. And uh, we're we're just trying to help the best we can. Now, you recently, uh, uh, I guess a while back, you had the opportunity. You spoke with your son, Javen. How, how is he holding up? I did. I spoke with Javen on I was in El Paso for a couple of days. I was there last Tuesday and last Wednesday for a couple of press conferences. And it was just the grace of God. Javen called that day, my first day that I arrived there. We were in Mr. Spector's office around the conference with myself and Dennis, Mr. Spector, Mr. Huckabee. I wish he could have been on the line because he's been such an inspiration to me because he's experienced something similar to this. And Javen called. He called to speak to Dennis Carlos somewhere in, in between. He wanted to speak to both of them. He didn't know that Mama was there, but I know, my, I know my child knew that I was somewhere fighting for justice, fighting to get him home. So I was able to hear his voice, and it was a relief. It was a relief to hear Javen's voice, and he said he was okay. He said he was okay. He wears contact, so he had an eye infection, but they were able to give him some medication to fix that. So... That was the last I spoke with Javen, but I don't know if the world knows what it's like not to be able to touch your child or just tell your child daily that you love him, something that we did just about every day that I saw him. We were always able to say, Mama, I love you, son, go along with traveling grace. We were always able to communicate this. And now, I mean, it's been three weeks. Three weeks I have not been able to tell my son those very words, except for that day when I was able to say, I'm here, Javen, but he had to talk to Carlos because Carlos needed to find out from him exactly what had happened. So our conversation was very brief, but he knows that I'm out here fighting for him, and I just want my child home. I want my child home. I know you do, Lisa. 
I know you do, and uh, I think Dennis uh, Dennis McKinney just uh, joined us. Dennis, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for thanks for being here. Praise God. Thank you. Uh, we're just getting started. Just speaking with Aletha. I'm glad you jumped on here because I had some uh, just some questions for you here, and uh, going to pull Carlos and everybody in here. But I'm trying to kind of leading into this thing. I, uh, Dennis, I wanted I wanted to pull you in here real quick, and just so everybody knows, uh, all your mics are open, so feel free to jump in at any time during the conversation. But Dennis, uh, I want to paint a I want to paint a picture more of of, of Jabin. You know. Um, I see all these comments flying around that's really irritating me. I mean, uh, my understanding is that Javen has been employed by your company as a driver for coming up on four years now. What what can you tell us about Javen as a driver employee? He's a dependable driver. We have been with him again uh, over three and a half years. And uh, I can't really say anything which was out of norm in the three and a half years that I've been with him. He's a very dependable driver, anything you ask JB to do. Pretty much, he did. And on a very particular day, he was just doing his job, and it was an honest mistake which landed him where he is right now. Well, now, what what kind of uh, experience does Javen have with Dimco Transportation as far as delivering to the El Paso, U.S.-Mexico border area? Has he done it a lot? or? No, sir. I've tried to go back and try to check. It could be maybe 1% of his load they have been in El Paso, maybe in the last two, three years, it might have been there once or twice, <clears throat> but it's not because it's not re- like a regular uh, run for him. We go all over, so depending where the broker gives us a load going to, that's where we send him to. But uh, I cannot really, I can't be able to confirm that he has been there more than five times. I can say less than five times. Less than five times in about three and a half years. Okay, now, Carlos, to me, that's an important aspect to all of this because of being unfamiliar with border crossings, unfamiliar with the roads, and and, and let's set one record straight here and now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, Carlos, Jabin realized he had made a wrong turn, knew he was headed into Mexico, but was on a bridge and could not turn an 18-wheeler around due to being on a bridge, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, you know, the... The, the response in El Paso, Texas, I I was born and raised on the border, lived here my entire life. That happens to us all the time. If you're daydreaming in the city that you live, you may miss your exit. If we're daydreaming, we can end up in Mexico. Now, the the particular bridge that he was going through on the border freeway, you know, when you get off, you know, you, uh, he was going, trying to get back on I-10 from his second, uh, from the second load, that he had uh, delivered. And when you get off, you know, you, you you can get off and get back on 10 or make a left and go to Mexico or, or make a left and go under the underpass and start all over again. And he may have looks like he was lost, but what he the, the, the brief conversation I had with him and my understanding, in, and I've been there three times since and Miss Smith went with us, it's very narrow lanes. And there's cars that can be on your left and your right, and sometimes you can't turn right or left, even when you're in a vehicle, a car, much less a, 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 tra- a tractor trailer. So it was difficult for him to maneuver, and then you start descending and going into Mexico, and he asked, and at that point, you can try to turn around, and it's my understanding that he tried to turn around and was holding up some traffic, <clears throat> and it was complicated, so they told him, go down and turn around. Now going down and turning around is uh, is right before the Mexican uh, uh, customs, 
And uh, I just got a call from the Mexican attorney, and he's finally looked at the file, and he's getting ready to fax this, and this is even new information for Ms. Smith. And his statement that he gave contemporaneously or right then and there pretty much verifies that, that he, he couldn't maneuver, he couldn't make a left and turn around. And when he did finally find the, the passage where you could turn around, he asked somebody if he could turn around there and if they could back up a little. And he says, no, just go further down. And uh, that's a, a big debate now as to who it was. It was a gentleman in a blue uniform in customs, and everybody is denying it. But I can tell you, and we've had a lot of people come forward and says, this has happened before. And one of the things that's unpleasant about this reality is that I've, over the years we've had all kinds of cases. It depends who the agent is. Uh, they'll, they'll make you go into Mexico, either walking. Uh, I've had pregnant women walk up the bridge to get child support from their husband, and they want to come back, and they make them walk another mile and a half, all the way back to come to come back. So this is a very border reality, and when you're dealing with, with human beings, some are nasty and most are professional. But this, this is a very real scenario, and nothing adds up why a 27-year-old African-American would show up in a truck in broad daylight with a quarter million rounds of ammunition and think he could sneak it in. It just doesn't make sense, and the only explanation is it was it was an it was an honest screw up. The bills of lading are in, are in order, you know, um, uh, and and uh, there's no history of him being involved in any of this type of activity. And Howie Glazer and, and others can on the show can talk to you about the the the, the procedures they got involved uh, to get this mo in. Well, not only a 27-year-old black American, but a 27-year-old black American in broad daylight who can't speak Spanish, right? And a oh, very good point, and I forgot another point. And he didn't have his U.S. passport. Right. For the last couple of years, you can't come back on the U.S.-Mexico border without a passport. Right. So he would have been stuck over there. So it just, there was no effort, and he's never had a U.S. passport. You know, so, and he had no documentation to show his citizenship so it, it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense, and this is the type of uh, uh, argument we're trying to convey to uh, to to the Mexican authorities and to the judges that it was a violation of law, but it wasn't intentional because the charge under the Mexican Federal Firearms Act is that he in, attempted to introduce clandestinely ammo that is used exclusively by the military. And the Mexican attorney is looking at it and says there was no attempt to introduce, and it surely sure as hell wasn't clandestine, you know. Right. Well, you know, this thing about the uh, the customs border telling them to go across, that's a big question that I've been getting hit by with a, a lot of drivers across the country. I mean, uh, with the homeland security in place, with all the emphasis on terrorism, with the recent and ongoing tensions between the U.S. and Mexico, and, you know, I'm talking specifically with NAFTA and past tariffs placed on the U.S. by Mexico, you know, they were uh, the, the big question in a lot of people's mind is why would a U.S. Customs and Border Protection agent direct a commercial truck driver, or anybody for that matter, to go ahead and enter Mexico and just turn around when you have to have a U.S. passport to come back? Right, and, and, uh, and Ms. Smith, uh, traced, tracked those route, the, that exact route that he took, and uh, she can speak for herself. She 
she almost got yes. sent back into Mexico as well. Yes. yes, sir. Yes, indeed. My first day there in El Paso, thank you, Carlos, for letting me enter. My first day there in Pasco, in El Paso, I'm sorry, in El Paso, I took a drive with one of Mr. Spector's staff and my um, son's girlfriend. We were, I just wanted to see the route. I just wanted to see where my son was. And we went down the route, the 10s, the 75s. I'm not really sure what names and numbers that they were. But we ended up in a, in a lane where there was traffic in one lane and we were in another lane. Well, we're in an SUV trying to make a turn. My son in a big trailer truck trying to make a turn. It couldn't happen. So we ended up going straight, ended up going into the border. We were stopped by a gentleman in a blue uniform. We were taking pictures. We were taking pictures of what the route my son took. The gentleman approached us, and because we was asking him, could we turn around? Like, could we go back out? And he said, you need permission to be over here. And we were like, well, we're not trying to go to Mexico. We're just trying to turn around because we couldn't turn at the entrance. And he said, what do you have? He, the, the phone was like you could in view. So he said, what do you have there? And we said, we honest. We said, we're taking pictures. He took the phone. He deleted every picture that we were, take, that we were taking of the area. And we was like, what's wrong with that? He said, you can't do this. So, okay. Well, he asked us for uh, passports and permits. And, again, I said to him, we're not trying to go in Mexico. We're just trying to turn around because you just let us out. So he asked us for our ID. He wasn't friendly. You know, I'm, he just was not a nice person. So I could imagine what my son went through. But, okay, we gave him identification, which we all had. Me and my daughter-in-law had Texas driver's license, and the people that were giving us the tour had their identification. So he asked us if we wanted to see a supervisor. And we said, no, you've answered all of our questions. Can we just go back, you know? I was really frightened and thinking I was going to go end up in Mexico. You know, I'm just trying to get over here to plead for my son's freedom is what I was here for, nothing else, sir. So he ended up moving some little barricades and letting us out, and we were able to come out and go wow. back to well, this office. Well, you know, all anybody has to do is just do a little Google search, and they'll see that this happens a lot. I did a lot of research on it today. And I was just pretty much horrified from what I uh, from what I discovered, and um, uh, I, I just I just got an email, uh, not able to get in on the phone lines. We're pretty full, but just keep trying, um, uh, real quick. And then I want to get to Howie Dennis, um, and uh, and of course Carlos, you're here, so I, I know it's a pending case, so I may ask questions that you just can't answer because of that. But I'm sure you'll jump in. But Dennis, I wanted to ask you. Uh, did how did uh, Jabin understand and did he know what type of uh, ammo he was hauling? No, sir. Not at all. No. I I think I think a question, you know, a lot of people are wondering and we we need to clear it up is um he picked up his uh load uh, I guess I don't know where the original place he picked it up, the the ammo, and it was to be delivered to uh, Howie, I believe, on the um, 17th, but he picked it up on the 13th. And am I correct by that, Howie? He was supposed to deliver it to you on the 17th? Yeah, I believe so. I'm not 100. I don't have the dates in front. Something, of me, something like that. that. So there was a few days in between. So I'm assuming, Dennis that you uh got some loads in between that he could that he could uh uh arrange you you arranged 
Um, I think you arranged it through through a broker. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, that load again. It was picked up on a Friday uh, mm-hmm. from Johnson City, Tennessee. Of course, uh, JB wasn't even the original driver on it. So JB was coming from uh, Boston, Mass. He picked up his load, the first one in Boston, and then the second one he picked up in Ohio. So they mm-hmm. met, uh, and they picked up the third one, I think it was in Syracuse, New York, which was going to Houston. So the other driver who was coming down from New Jersey, he picked up New Jersey. He picked up, uh, I think, two pickers from New Jersey, one going to El Paso, one going to Houston, and, of course, uh, the one going to Phoenix. So they met in Dallas on Monday. So on Monday, that's when we transferred the load. One driver went down to Houston, and then JB headed with the three stops in uh, El Paso, then the last one to Phoenix. So Monday at around 12 o'clock, I think it was around 12, 11 o'clock, that's when he left the Dallas area heading to El Paso for Tuesday delivery. Then he'll find uh, Phoenix on uh, Wednesday. Right. So he, you, you had uh, <clears throat> your load uh, consisted of nine pallets. And then he had three. He had three drops in El Paso. He made two of them, and uh, it was on the third one, I believe, that is when he got kind of turned around and on the bridge, and everything, everything went downhill. Yes, sir. Okay, um, Dennis. Let me ask you. Um, I mean, the Mexican authorities have asked to see the legal documents for this trailer load, the BOL. I have all that stuff here. I've seen it. Uh, I know you have all that. I I assume uh Dennis or Carlos this is this has been these documents have been provided to them. Right. Now the originals uh according to Dennis uh uh Javen had in the truck. So from the beginning the Mexican authorities had those documents. What we're looking is whether those documents in conjunction with Javen's testimony was presented uh, at the initial pre-indictment hearing, but prior, but even before, but but in addition to that, I have sent at the request of the Mexican Attorney General, their attaché's office in San Antonio, all those documents. What I sent to them, you've got what they've got, and uh, now we're translating them and authenticating them to get them before a court here in or in, in Mexico, but. Uh, one of the one of the issues is what was presented at the initial. Now I've got a call that I've got his initial statement that he gave at the, at the bridge, and we should have that in a couple of hours. But that's that's a real concern in terms of what happened at the bridge, and and at some point during the course of the of the program, I'll talk to you about some of the misrepresentations by the Mexican government that has politicized this and made it more than than a legal case or an error. Right. Um, I, I have a, I, you know, I, I find this, and I spoke to Howie um, yesterday, I believe it was, and, you know, it's really amazing. Howie's uh, biggest concern um, is the welfare of Jabin, and ironically, um, he, we, we have a copy of the check and everything here, but uh, you're, you're quite a bit of money because you never got that delivery, that ammo. And you you are the owner of United Nations Ammo uh, dot com, right? Yeah, UNMO.com. Yeah, uh, I mean this is just devastating for everyone involved, and um, 
Yeah, we never got the ammo. The ammo can't even be replaced. It's not out there now. Um, it's surplus ammo, and it's very tight and short supply. And this was a good load, and we needed it. And more than half of it would have been already distributed around the United States of America to hobbyists and shooters, and it would have never even seen close to the border of Mexico. And, well, I, um, I and another uh, thing, too, is less than 10%. Uh, from what I understand of that ammo, was actually even the ammo uh, that Bartel used. So, you know, it's don't didn't they realize well, yeah. they saw it? I mean, it's less than ten percent. I mean, they had two hundred over two hundred fifty thousand pounds. Uh, I mean, let me give um, you a, uh, yeah, I, I didn't yeah. mean pounds. <laughs> Uh, but and and only uh, what eighteen thousand of that could have even been you know conceivably used in their kind of uh, weaponry. Let me give you the demographics of the ammunition um, from the beginning, and I corrected a bunch of Texas newspapers that started calling me on the early onslaught of this. Um, well. 250 out of the 268,000 rounds was 308 ammunition. Immediately, they all jumped to calling it AK-47 ammunition. That the, that is the favorite of the gun of choice of the Mexican cartels. And even to this day, the last I've read of any of them, papers out of Mexico, they're still calling it that. I've switched it around here with every news media that I spoke to. But this ammo will not even fit in an AK-47. It is not AK-47 ammo. And um, the 18,000 rounds of the 223, that was actually um, 12 cases, no, it was 15 cases of 1,200 rounds. Um, that's actually small. I mean, that, that's actually something that we could sell out today out of our local retail facility. It's not a lot of ammunition. Um, the 250,000 rounds of the 308, God, I wish we had this as a businessman because there was money to be made on that. There is a frenzy on that, but forget about all that. That all aside, it will not fit into an AK-47. It um, fits a variety of other kind of weapons, including hunting rifles, regular deer hunting rifles. Um, but they're, they're changing it. They're changing the facts. I mean, the facts should be speaking for itself here. David had a bill of lading on the truck. I have a copy of it. Dennis has a copy of it. Mr. Spector has a copy of it. Um, Mexico has to have a copy of it. I mean, this whole thing is just dragged out of proportion, and, uh, you know, I don't know how this is going to clear up, but, but back to what you said originally, absolutely. The money part of it on our end, which is devastating, is not as devastating as a young man that's a truck driver working for a living. I mean, yes, yes. working, has a family at home, family yes. that cares about him, a young kid, and yes. they're going to imprison him. I mean, that's just sickening. And, you know, as far as the bill of lading, uh, you, you're, you're pointing out who all has a bill of lading. Donna and I have a copy of the bill of lading, so... I mean, is is this whole thing just amazes me, Dennis? Let me. Uh, I, I know. I, I my understanding mm -hmm. is that you you have been um, um, in contact with the U.S. Embassy in Mexico. Uh, are they doing anything to advance the the uh, you know the release of Jabin? 
you know, I. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, let me answer that. This is Carlos. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've been in touch. We've been in touch with the Mexican embassy. The pro- the problem is that they have uh, the, the good thing is the Miss Smith and Dennis immediately contacted them and and I think that put the Mexican authorities on notice that uh, the the U.S. authorities were aware of his imprisonment and that may have saved some some uh, coercion on their part by getting them involved. But having said that. You know, they. I spoke to them, and they make the initial visits, and then they're going to make one visit every three months during pretrial. So they're involved, and they can be used as a point of pressure. But uh, but uh, it's going to be incumbent upon us as, as a community to to put the appropriate pressure. And uh, I do want to say one thing about the politics of this. Is and I'm glad Howie and Dennis and every all the major players are are are, are on because I think we all complement our vision of this, and that's the following. From the very beginning, this case was politicized by two fabricated points. The Mexican customs officials had them in terms of violating the law in and of itself with the truck, and they could have charged it with possession or all kinds of other stuff, and they would have had a, a legitimate concern. But they would they can't leave it at that. They had to politicize by fabricating two points. One that all the ammo was for A K forty sevens and AR fifteens that the cartels use. And two, that there was hidden compartments with 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 that with the ammunition. Those are patent lies. And I think they did it because the bill of lading they had is is the one that said ammo and that's it. And it didn't describe the ammo. So because they didn't have a description of the ammo, I think they felt free to to publicly characterize him as a drug trafficking individual who merited take, being taken to Mexico City. The reason they took him to Mexico City is that's where they pr- prosecute uh, the dangerous criminals involved in organized crime. Once they found out that it wasn't that way, they put him in Veracruz prison where he is now. But it's the political—it's the politicalization of this, the politicizing of this by those two points that causes and should cause us all concern, because it's in the broader context of U.S.-Mexican relations. This is on the heels of the ATF Fast and Furious. The, you know, this is a debate between Mexico and U.S., and Mexico says it's the U.S. who's at fault because of their drug appetite and the flowing of arms south. We say it's Mexican corruption and inefficiency, and there's the battle, and you have two, you have the ATF fiasco, and now you've got Jabin Bogan to point a finger at, as, and, and they're characterizing it as one of the biggest uh, uh, loads that they've captured. So from the beginning, it's been politicized, and we want them to look at the facts. And I think part of that process is... is, is, is is uh, doing exactly what we're doing at this point. But, you know, what I think is important is is for Dennis to address the cooperation, the complete cooperation and exoneration to include the Department of Transportation's visit today. All right, Dennis, do you have a comment? Yeah, and uh, as Carlos has said, uh, pretty much uh, all the departments that are concerned, they have requested for all the legal papers, which, of course, you have said you have them, 
and we have turned every single one of them. Even the uh, even the whatever the Department of uh, Transportation is still there in the office doing their investigation too. So we have turned everything that they request. And anything that they are going to ask our NHS is asking, we are more than willing to provide everything because, like, again, we are maintained from the what go. Uh, first of all, the company is online. There is no reason for us to stand for the driver if we knew that he was doing something which is illegal because that is to even complicate the company into it. But there's no doubt in my mind First of all, the driver didn't know what he was doing, and we were in close communication with him and our customer up in Phoenix when the Amos were supposed to get over there. So all we're asking is the community to help us and uh, spread the word out there. That's the only way we are going to save uh, our right. driver who's sitting over there. Right. A simple mistake, but a serious one. Uh, Aletha, let me ask you, uh, and then... Uh, Try to put get some callers in here. A caller from North Carolina get to you right next. Uh, Aletha, um, yes, share a little bit more how you're feeling. I mean, uh, do you feel that your son is a, a, a political prisoner at this point? I do, sir. I, I, I do believe that this is all political. I have reached out to my congresswoman here in the state of Texas. I have reached out to my senator here in the state of Texas. I've been on a few talk shows here in the state of Texas. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just feeling disconnected now. You know, I, I know people are probably trying to do something. Maybe they can't tell me what they're trying to do. I just, I'm not seeing any results. It's been three weeks, sir three weeks that my child has been away from me. David is a humble, hard-working young man. We have been visited by the, AT, the Homeland Security. I understood the ATF has did their investigation. My son has been cleared of anything wrong. He has did nothing wrong. They searched his place. They searched his car. They came to me. They spoke with me, and he has been cleared of everything. So there's nothing to hide. David just made an honest an honest mistake, sir. He is a good guy. He's a young man. He's twenty seven years of age. He was just trying to provide for his family. He loves his family. He loves his mother. This has got to be the worst Mother's Day anyone could want to look forward to. My son is going to be away from me. He just lost his 92-year-old grandmother. So we have nothing really to celebrate for Mother's Day because my child is still hanging over, I mean, somewhere that he doesn't belong. And he's, he's innocent. He is innocent, sir. And I've, I've preached this to the world. My son is innocent. And, again, I'm just asking for the community, for the Truckers Association, for everyone that believes to stand in belief with me to help me bring my son back home. Please give me back my child. Please don't use my child as a political scapegoat or whatever's going on with U.S with the U.S. and Mexico. I'm not upset with Mexico. I don't even know anything that much about politics or anything like that. But I do believe that my son is in the middle of something, and he has no clue to what is going on, no clue. He is not a bad person. He did not do anything intentional. He was just trying to do his job and make it back home to his family, and in particular that little boy and a mother that he loves and that knows that he loves him very, very much. Well, we're going to stand on a belief that he is going to be released. Uh, uh, let me make – I think it's an important uh, 
An important fact to point out here, Carlos, and a, a caller from North Carolina will get to you, I promise, and uh, Dan Fuller, we're going to bring you on here too. But, Carlos, the U.S. Embassy in Mexico, my understanding, has deemed this load as legal and legitimate. Is that not correct? That's correct. Within the and, U.S., it's absolutely, yeah, there's no, no, uh, nothing inappropriate, nothing illegal, nothing suspicious between all the parties, uh, and it involved uh, a very well-known, legitimate brokers and established companies that had nothing to gain by this. Now, can we? Uh, and and I know who the broker is. Can we? Can we discuss that? Did you? Absolutely, want to absolutely. Okay, the the broker on this load, my understanding, C. H. Robinson, correct? But the three, he was. They were for the three loads in El Paso. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Now the 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 load um, for the ammo. Where was the origi- original pickup of the ammo? That was just a straight deal. I mean. Uh, pick up and delivery, you know. What, how, where did that originate? Where, where was it? Was in Tennessee, wasn't it? Okay, yeah. yes. Yeah. That was in okay. Johnson, Johnson City, but I think Dennis is the one who can is the appropriate one yeah, to respond was, to the process. Yeah, it was in Johnson City, Tennessee. Right, originated in Johnson City, Tennessee, and the reason I the reason I wanted to bring up this broker, I mean, C H uh, Robinson, okay. Uh, largest freight broker in the U.S., so we're not talking about fly-by-night companies here. And to me, Carlos, this only would add legitimacy to the case, does it not? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, when you, when, when, you know, we're trying to build a mountain of evidence, and every rock is important. And I think that's that's an important rock in terms of there was the, the essence of cases like this is intent. And there's no intent on any of the players' part to engage in, in this type of conduct. It falls apart at the border and uh, from the beginning to end. He didn't even pick up the load in Johnson City. He picks it up in Dallas in terms of, you know, any any type of uh, belief that, well, maybe he, uh, he put stuff in a compartment uh, out of Johnson City from the beginning in cahoots with the company. And you got to make all kinds of leaps of of faith in order to – come to the conclusion that was intentional, you know. Right, right. And that's why I think the a broker is highly in, highly important here. It just adds legit, legitimacy to the uh, case. A caller from uh, North Carolina 336. Uh, go ahead. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me on. Um, I, I'm just concerned about this fella because it seems that, that from the get-go, uh, I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the the young man had no idea what he was carrying, and and I find that uh, I'm a trucker myself. Uh, I find that very hard to believe because when you pick up a load, you're supposed to look at the bill of lading and check the load and everything else. I'm not saying that the kid didn't know what he was hauling. Honestly, uh, maybe you know he doesn't understand being that young that that's what you're supposed to do. I don't I don't know how long he's been in trucking, but you know, you get your bills of lading, you check what's on there, and you check the whole the whole thing. And as far as it being an ammunition shipment, uh, you telling us that he didn't know whoever said that. I'm sorry, only my my phone and computer were messed up. I I don't know who said that. But you telling us that he honestly did not know what was in that trailer. You're telling us that he did not understand how to read those bills of lading. As a trucking company owner, that is your responsibility, and you did him wrong. 
I'm just going to call you out right here. You did that man wrong as your employee. You 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 need to give every ounce of energy that you can to get him back over here. Oh, oh well, I'm sure I'm sure he is, but I I, I think uh, and Dennis will get you in here. But I mean, uh, I've been driving years too. I have hauled loads where the bill of lading was just codes and numbers where I had no idea what it was. But Dennis, correct me if he's wrong, and we'll respond to the caller. And thanks for your call. We appreciate it. Uh, your point is he did he knew it was ammunition. I have the bill of lading. It says ammunition, just not he did not know what type of ammunition. Yeah, he didn't know what type it was. And that's and that's how I understand I understood the question when you asked he knew what type it was. I didn't know what type it was. He didn't know what type of ammunition it was, but we know it was ammo. And and sometimes when you pick up a load such as this, um, uh, sometimes it's already loaded and sealed, and you don't have the uh, the uh, ability to to check it. Was that the case? <clears throat> Absolutely. Sometimes it happens like that, but on this case, they just loaded it, and there was nine pallets. We knew there were nine pallets of ammo, but we didn't know what type of it it was. And that's the information we had, and of course, that's the information you have in front of you right now. Okay. Okay. Uh, caller, go ahead. Go, go ahead. I was just going to let him respond a little bit. Okay. Well, I appreciate that, and, and that's that's you know I don't have the bill of lading in front of me, so I don't know yeah. if it's listed or not. If it just said nine, you guys are saying it only said nine pallets of ammunition. It didn't break down what it was. The fact is, it's still an ammunition load, and that that's a very highly sensitive load to be transported across the United States. Um, I'm pretty sure that the kids should have been warned as to the volatility of that load, uh, especially with what's going on with Eric Holder and Fast and Furious and all this stuff that's been going across, uh, the bullets going across El Paso, the border, everything else. This kid should have been... Uh, alerted that this something possibly could have happened. If I can ask a question, uh, how many times did you check in with the young man while he was driving? Is there a required uh, amount of time that you have to call him and he has to call you back and know where you're at? Or are you guys on a satellite or Qualcomm or something like that? Uh, Dennis? Yeah, yes, uh, we have the tracking unit which uh, pins our track every five every five minutes, and of course we had a lot of conversation with the driver on the course of that day. And and I, I would expect that you know I mean he's been driving four years. I mean I'm 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 sure he probably understood the seriousness of the load. And uh, and caller, thanks for the caller, really appreciate it. Uh, but Aletha, um I'm sure your son knew the seriousness of the load. He's been driving four years. Uh, it just kind of goes back to this was, unfortunately, a, a human mistake. It was. It was indeed, sir. It was indeed, and, and just it's just has blown out of proportion. I mean, this. I'm, I'm without understanding. I'm to the point. I'm almost numb because I can't believe that this is three weeks and we're still talking about this. When it first happened, I got the phone call on a Tuesday night. I was told that in 42 hours my son would be home. 72 hours passed, a weekend passed, and now it's been three weeks. I'm, 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 I'm without understanding. I'm without understanding to this. I'd like to ask a question, and um, it's good to hear you um, on, on there, Lisa. I know how you must feel right now. Um, I feel really I can empathize with you. 
But I'd like to know um, the the original where where he was loaded. Um, did did they have anything to say about this, Carlos? Um, have you ever spoken to them? You know where it originated the load uh, before it was supposed to get to Howie over at you and uh, Ammo. Yeah, it's it's uh, as Dennis just laid out. It was my understanding that the original load was was picked up uh, uh, from. Uh, I forget the name of the company out of uh, Johnson City, Tennessee, and they met up in Dallas. But again, in terms of the process, I would defer to to Dennis. He he's he's got the record that he's going to provide to us on that. Okay. Okay. I think it was um, uh, what Dennis Wiederman's oh, shooting oh, supply. Well, Widener's. Widener, that's right. Widener. Widener's okay. I I can't read it without my glasses, but that's where it originated. Uh, Donna, what was your question again? Well, I was just curious, like, with all the players involved, um, you know, did anybody ever... Oh, did the sh- did the shipper get involved? Yeah, I-, I haven't heard them being brought up very much in any of the... Let me, inter- let me, let me interrupt here. This is Howie again from UNMO. Uh, okay. When we ordered this, we ordered this, we sent the check. It was certified funds. The check had a clear. They, they're out of it, you know. They, they got paid for their ammo. It's done and over with. We contracted with the shipping broker, and the shipping broker hired them, so, and um, the rest is history. So Widener right. actually was paid, paid in full for the ammo. We paid the check to buy the ammo. Then we went through a shipping broker and paid the fee to get that trucked from Tennessee to Phoenix, Arizona. They, in turn... Right. Yeah, I would agree. The shipper wouldn't uh, would kind of pretty much be out of the picture. And I think it's important to note too here that uh, Howie, your company, United Nations Ammo, is a, a legal ammunition dealer in Arizona. Absolutely. So everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Okay. And yeah. and yeah. Um, let's see. I had a thought. Oh, uh, uh, there's a lot of questions going around, Dennis. Uh, I'm getting it in the uh, chat room as well. So let's set, let, let's find out about this. Uh, w- the truck uh, was it hazmat? Was it uh, placarded? No, that, that loading wasn't hazmat because it's uh, class 85. That's uh, ORM, other other regulated materials for domestic use. The driver is not supposed to have the endorsement, and it's not supposed to be placarded. Okay, so that's what one thing I was getting kind of tired of myself personally to uh, uh, hear from that it wasn't placarded, but I had a feeling that it probably had to do with the class because uh, uh, you're talking about, uh, I, I'm assuming, ammunition um, uh, ORMD for uh, other regulated materials, domestic? Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Right, and that's one of the things we also looked up in, in you know, pursuant to uh, – Chapter 49 of the Code of Federal Regulations, Section 172, you know, there's placards required for most hazardous materials, and within that one one of the categories are explosives, but those are generally explosives that um, that also meet the definition of material poisonous by inhalation. So it's it's a whole specific thing. So there there was no requirement of of, uh, of placarding it. So. So I okay. mean every, everything is up is up front, and I think that was one of the things that they were looking at, and they were questioned the, the Department of Transportation today with with Dennis's office, and um, that that ended up being okay as well. 
Okay. I, I, I mean, I just had a feeling that it had to do with the class. I wanted to verify that because uh, we're about the facts here. Um, uh, Dan Fuller is on the line. He is uh, he's the uh, he's with HotelsForTruckers.com, but he's also responsible for launching the uh, FreeJabin.com website. So, uh, hey, Dan, Dan, welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Hi, Dan. Thank you. Hi, Dan. This is Hi, Dan. Hi. We're good. Hey, Dan, Thank what you. was it? What was it about this situation that uh, just led you to get uh, so heavily involved in this? Let's uh, fill us in here how how this all came about for you. Uh, Alan, uh, thanks for having us on the show. Uh, thanks for putting together the show um, and everybody making it. Uh, what got, really drew me to to action was, um, as some of you know, um, I have spent six years on the road as a truck driver myself, uh, launched hotels for truckers based out of needing to be able to find accommodations that can fit a truck and trailer. Uh, when I read Javen's story uh, and hearing that he couldn't get turned around at the border and was committed one way to going across to uh, do a U-turn, I personally related my two experiences of uh, having accidentally crossed into Canada uh, in my travels uh, six years. Uh, across, you know, uh, to be fair and honest, I was going to Canada. However, um, at the borders, there's a really, in my opinion, uh, and I've crossed plenty of them all the way from uh, Maine to Washington. Uh, there's a really lack of good proper signage and last chance uh, turnarounds that once you kind of get to a certain point, you're committed. You can't get turned around. And when I read Javen's story, I immediately identified with my personal experiences. Uh, and uh, I just knew reading the facts and looking at everything, it just didn't make sense. And I said to myself, I need to fight to help get this guy home because he made an honest mistake like I've done, and I've made plenty of them out there. We're not perfect. Um, my dad's a truck driver over 35 years, and one of the things he told me about trucking when I got into it, he said, you're going to make mistakes, and uh, it's just the nature of this game. You learn from them, and you move on. You, you do it safe. And um, So uh, that's kind of what really drew me into action uh, to fight to get Javen home. Well, I mean, I you know, I've I've been hearing a lot from drivers saying, well, it's that, you know, that's absolutely impossible. No professional truck driver would ever do that, but you know, I I've got 35 years in it. Now, I I've never crossed into Mexico, but I can see how a driver who is unfamiliar with the roads, unfamiliar with border crossings, uh, might even be once he get once he's getting to that point right there and talking to US custom officers, uh, might even have a little bit of nervousness going on. Uh, I mean, like I said, it's it's a simple mistake, but it's a serious mistake. But uh, it can happen. You, you, Absolutely. You know, and, I, and again, this, this is Carlos. The whole thing, you know, with you know the, the the big thing that people have attacked over the years are these straw purchasers, individuals buying gu guns for others, and the and the smuggling of guns into Mexico are done in a much more sophisticated manner. And again, the whole thing is that. It it sounds maybe strange to people who aren't familiar with the border that this could happen, but the question is, is really was it done intentionally? Was was this part of a conspiracy and a plan that this young man uh, could, could 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 organize the whole thing by himself and nobody else would know about it, and somehow he has the contacts with the drug cartels to get this stuff across in that fashion? It's just it's the the mistake is is as preposterous as the premise that it was intentional, you know, and everybody can look at, at him and says, boy, what a, what a mistake, what an error, you know, what, what, what a, what a rookie, what you call whatever you want. Uh, 
but you can't right. call you can't call them guilty. Well, I think the biggest thing, Carla, is that um, if somebody was going to, you know, go through with that and sneak through or whatever, they would have their passport with them to get back in the country. Yeah, you would would at least know that. How are you going to get back? Right. So, I mean, the fact that he didn't, uh, you know, that's really, to me, like the biggest, the biggest, red flag that this whole thing was uh, was an accident and not a, a deliberate intentional uh, you know thing, what do you, whatever I mean it's just, to me that's the biggest thing Hey can I add this is Dan again, uh, can I add something else you know this truck sure. is satellite tracked so let's uh, also take into consideration if he was you know allegedly smuggling you know the, the satellite's tracking your every move so to me, you know, uh, I'm thinking of this, it's the GPSs on the phones, the satellites on the truck, it, it's tracing and keeping a documented paper trail everywhere you're going. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of like another big uh, red flag to me that this guy is a, is a purely innocent man who made an honest mistake. And uh, any truck driver out there listening or on the show right now knows we've made plenty of them. Um, so it's just... Uh, you know, we need to fight to get him home, and we need to fight to get him home now. Yeah, this, this is this just happens to be a very serious mistake. But Dan, you you have freejaven.com, and uh, people can go there and get information on how to contact the senator, contact uh, Texas Governor Rick Perry, and make those phone calls and get this thing moving, right? Absolutely, absolutely. All those contact phone numbers are there. Uh, we encourage you to sign the guest book. We appreciate everyone who has. Uh, there's been a lot of support out there. Um, as well as the uh, news articles that you can familiarize with the story, because I think once people read the facts, look at the facts of the case, it's pretty clear to, to uh, I think, the majority how innocent the man is. And uh, yeah, mistake as it was, and a serious one, uh, you know, he this doesn't warrant 30 years in uh, prison. Um, you know, as, as I understand, you know, how he uh, on the line, you know, the, the ammo won't come back, uh, pretty sure of that, and uh, that's, you know, I think, uh, you know, another issue, but let's get our driver back home and return him. Yeah, and, Dan, I'll, I'll be providing you in the next couple of days as things clarify with the file that we're going to get from the Mexican side, uh, the contact points in Mexico with the Mexican attorney general and possibly the name and address of the judge to uh, ask them for, for leniency in, uh, in this case. So it's going to be important to get a hold of the Mexican uh, officials uh, a, a person, people-to-people type of campaign, and and ask them not to politicize this and to look at this uh, this case carefully and thoroughly. Yeah. And thank you, Dan. Dan, is, I'm, this is Alita. Dan has been keeping in touch with me, and I really appreciate all that you're doing with the JB Free JB website. And the, I just want the people to know that you know. My life is no more private than what it has ever been. My son is, comes from a good Christian background. My son made an honest mistake. My son made an honest mistake. And I'm not questioning God to why. I ask God, why not? For what he's done, what his father did by giving us him, what I don't understand is why the world would be so cruel and keep my child, my only son, 
that I was picked to be the mother to. He is a good young man, people. He's a young man that has a lot of life ahead of him. We are church-going, worshiping people. We don't just go to church to say that we went there. We praise and worship the Lord, and that's what I'm standing on. I know in the end, God is going to get the glory for this, but I'm asking you as a people that God uses to help me bring my son back to his home so I can touch him, feel him, let him know that his mother loves him and I miss him and I want him home. He did tell me the first night that we talked, I didn't mention it was the night after he was arrested, Mama, I'm scared, but I'm okay. He said that to me, and that has stayed with me, because I don't know what is going on with Jabin. He might be scared to say anything else, but I do know that I love him, and he loves me, and he loves his family, and he's a hardworking young man, and he had no intent but to turn that truck around, and God is going to make that turnaround the right turnaround. So you have your opinions, but I'm asking you, if you're believers, to please pray for me and pray for my family because this has not been easy. I had to return to work, and it's been hard trying to focus on what my duties are and be concerned about what is happening with my child and why he's not home with me and his family. I'm riding around with one of his shirts on my car seat just to keep something that belonged to him. He's in my heart. He's all over me. But I can reach over here and touch this shirt and smell his scent and believe that someday soon my baby is coming back home. So please, you all, just join me, stand with me, and help me get my baby back home, please. Thank you, Elisa. Well, that's what that's what we're here for, Elisa, and I can't imagine what you're going through. And I'm still going to stand on the belief that he will be returned. I think he's in good hands with Carlos and everybody here. Yes, he um, is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Carlos is a good attorney. He has really been there for us. But he can only do so much when there's so much corruption going on. This needs to stop. Nobody needs to go through this. Nobody's child, no trucker, nobody needs to go through this. You don't know what this feels like until you've lived it. And I'm living it, and I'm just asking you all to please help me get my son home, please. Thank you, Aletha. We we sure will do whatever we can. I wanted to ask Carlos, um, can the DOT do anything to um, help this matter? You know, I think the, the you know the <clears throat> if we can get letters of uh, of clearance and compliance, you know, the past safety violations by any company would uh, would not be relevant to this. But in terms of this specific investigation for this specific incident, I mean, if we could get letters of clearance, which they've made public statements, the ATF, DHS. Everybody's made statements that uh, there's no wrongdoing, everything is kosher, and that every everything was done properly. But if if we could get them to give a letter of clearance that everything seemed to be in order, from the tracking to the to the uh, placards or the the, the non available non requirement of that, that would be very helpful. But what we're trying to do is 
you know, we're, we're I guess I'll, I'll conclude with with an update of where we're at legally. The case was sent to Veracruz because initially they were looking at him as part of organized crime. They immediately found out it wasn't. He's, a, he's in a federal prison via Aldama Veracruz prison, which houses 4,000 prisoners, pretty hardcore uh, cartel members, and, uh, and there's 20 to 25 Americans there, according to the American Embassy. What we're trying to do is bring him back up to Juarez, which is, of course, close to the border where the family, press, friends, and supporters can visit, and and moreover, get him before a, ju- a federal judge who had the case in Juarez better. The federal judge that we're trying to get him before is, uh, is a well-known, uh, uh, pretty good judge, uh, up up in northern Mexico, and we feel that we the Mexican attorney feels he has a good shot at it. Now, one of the things that's important to note here is that what's happening to to Jabin is part and parcel of what Miss Smith characterizes corrupt. Is that there have been efforts of judicial reform over the years, where the prosecutors and the judges have gotten better in terms of the professionalization. But the weak link in the Mexican judicial system is still the investigators and the cops on the on the fourth on the on, on, on the street, and so the the investigators like the uh, agents at the bridge are ill-paid, ill-trained, and corrupt, and they're used to fabricating. You know, we've got all kinds of human rights reports detailing the fact that that's still the most persistent problem in Mexico today is is the crap that the agents deliver to the to the prosecutors to present to the judges. And and the good news there is that the judges are on to this and are, are, are amenable to considering this. Now, the other thing that's a problem is that while the judicial reform has undergone, has, has advanced justice in Mexico, on the federal side, we still, they still use the old Napoleonic Code, which is basically a presumption of guilt rather than of innocence, and there's no oral testimony. The states have adopted this adversarial system uh, a la U.S. style where you, you know, the right to confront and the right to oral testimony, but on the federal side, it's still the what they call the inquisitorial system where you present documents and the judge reviews it with no argument other than the legal argument, and then he makes a decision. And that's why, you know, the political campaign is going to go hand-in-hand hand with that, and that's generally the case in Mexico, too, is that, uh, you know, the, 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 the louder you scream, the more attention you get. And I think that uh, that's, that's going to be part and parcel, and we'll be asking this program and, 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 and Dan's uh, website, Jabin's website, to to get that word out, and we'll probably have very, very specific information after we find out whether the judge accepts the case. He hasn't made the decision yet in Juarez whether he's going to accept it or give it to someone else. But we're hoping and kind of uh, laying low at this point until they make that decision. You know, and then once that happens, whether it's that judge or another judge, then the full-fledged national campaign will develop in order of of letting the facts out and let. Let the people make their own mind. And I, I think it's pretty clear of anybody in good faith. 
We're always going to have doubts, but the point is, are you going to send a man to jail for 30 years for a mistake in the context of the facts of this particular case? Well, I, I couldn't agree more because, like I said, we have we have the bill of ladings, we have the uh, cashier's check from you know from Howie, his company. We have the the uh, portion cab doc. I mean, we we have it all here. So, and it's still so frustrating to me, Carlos, that they have asked for these documents. They said they wanted to see them. You guys have provided it to him, and he's still there. Yeah. Well. It's he's in the judicial process, you know. I mean, we're we're trying to move it as quickly as possible, but it's. And then the other thing that characterizes uh, the Mexican judicial system is it's pretty closed. It's not it's a, not an open process like ours, where you can do a Freedom of Information Act and get a bunch of information. So I'm relying on the Mexican attorney to brief me on a daily basis, and uh, you know he's just like pulling teeth in terms of getting the the documents and. He indicated to me he had a good a good chunk of them, which he'll provide to me tonight or tomorrow. And and we once we get them, you know, we can share them with uh, with you guys and continue this conversation. All right, sounds good. Well, listen, I I I, I want to thank all of you for joining us this evening. Thank uh, you, Carlos, Dennis, Howie. Thanks uh, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Well, we'll be in touch, Miss Smith. Uh, thank all right. you, Carlos. Okay. I love you. We'll be in touch. Bye bye. Thank you. Love you too. Okay. And Alisa, thank, uh, yes, thank you for having us and getting this word out too. Well, the the good news is this is a recorded play. Um, anybody can take the embed code from the Blog Talk Radio, and uh, you know they can put it on their website. But I mean, we average on the replays about twenty five hundred a week. So um, we can, if people start putting the embed player out. You know, they'll even get more than that. So um, it's just a matter of everybody, you know, putting forth some effort. Yeah, and it it is in the archive, so it's always there. It's available 24-7, and we get a, a ton a ton of listeners in the archives because many of our listeners are driving and everything. But we're going to do what we can. And, um, you know, I, I, again, just stand on the uh, – Stand on the belief that he's in good hands and it's all going to work out. I'm sure the ammo will stay there, the truck and trailer will stay there, but that's not what is important right now. So, Dennis Howie, thanks again. Aletha, thank you again. And if there's anything Donna and I can do to help further in any way, you have our number, so please don't hesitate to call us, okay? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Howie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Aletha. Thank you, Carlos, Barbara. Thank you. Thank you all so very much. It has given me some relief to know that people do care. That people do really care, and I just want my baby home. I, I know you. I know you do. Well, we'll keep in touch, and we'll keep Thank following you. it. And like I said, we're going to, uh, we're just going to stand on the belief that he, he's he's coming home. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you again, and thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, uh, I tell you what, we'll take a take a quick break, and Don and I will be right back with final comments and our weekly announcements, and wrap up this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live, so stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back.
Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live and AssetTrucker.com with an important message for owner operators and fleet owners. Hot John Incorporated is a company that makes the Dynasys APU, and if you're considering an auxiliary power unit for your truck but thought you just couldn't afford it, you need to talk to the Dynasys guys about their all-new financing program. The Dynasys APU saves fuel and provides AC, heating, plug-in power, all of those comfort necessities you deserve when you have to shut down for your mandatory break. It's definitely the smart way to be comfortable and save money. Their finance program is designed to make your monthly payment nearly half of what you're spending on fuel with their goal of making APUs available for every hardworking driver. They realize that times are tough and that credit is hard to come by, so they offer full credit plans giving all owner-operators and fleet owners a guaranteed financing opportunity. They can even get you hooked up with grants that can cover APU costs as well. Give them a call at 1-800-289-8282. toll-free 1-800-289-8282 or just Google search Dynasys APU. Visit them online at hotjohn.com. That's H-O-D-Y-O-N.com. The Dynasys APU, the best solution to engine idling. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. All right, we're back. Uh, let's see if Dan Full. Dan Fuller, you're still uh, you still hanging on? Uh, yeah, Alan, I'm still here. Hey, I just wanted to thank you for calling in and the FreeJaven.com website and uh, all you're doing, and thanks for uh, uh, pointing us in the direction of this thing. Oh, it's my pleasure, Alan. I appreciate you taking the uh, show. It's uh, I think uh, well worth uh, talking about. Obviously, you get this driver home, and most importantly, I think uh, a lot to be learned. For all of us listening to this story about, uh, you know, how to keep ourselves out of uh, jams like this for the future. I think one of the most frustrating things to me on this is uh, all the uh, conspiracy theories that start flying around. It's just it's frustrating. I mean, I look, I, I, I just kind of go back in my law enforcement background. I look at these things. I have all the documents, the BOLs. I've got everything here on my desk. And this this was just like I said a, a simple mistake, but a serious one. But it was it was, points all to just a mistake. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, you know I, for the guys listening out there. I mean, how many times have uh, you know I've come across a low bridge for excuse me for example, or uh, you know you name it. I mean, just getting yourself trucking is uh, you know full of daily hazards. You know and. Uh, it, anymore nowadays with all the distractions and things we got going on in the cabs of the truck, I mean, you miss a turn and, uh, you know, it uh, <laughs> sets you up uh, for for a big fall perhaps. So, uh, you know, when I learned of his story, uh, you know, I'm going back to my personal experiences of having crossed into Canada twice, having missed uh, my la- uh, opportunity to pull over and get situated, I had to drive into Canada talk to the customs over there, get turned around, come back to the States. And, you know, I looked at Javen's story and it just all over it. The red flags were just, alarms were sounding in me. And, you know, all the facts, like you said, looking at, you know, I love when they, you know, they touched on a little bit, but the Mexican authorities said that he was hiding 
the ammunition under the floorboards of the trailer. Well, how do you hide nine pallets, four foot tall, 250,000 plus rounds of ammo underneath the floorboards of a 53 foot dry van trailer? I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I've hauled enough of them through my uh, years and uh, never seen any compartments, so to speak of. And, uh, you know, it, it, all the red flags just kept alarming me. And uh, I just said, I got to get involved and help this guy get home whatever way, shape, or form I can do. Well, I tell you, a big red flag to me was when they um, they didn't ask to see the bill of lading. They didn't ask to see any kind of paperwork whatsoever. They immediately, uh, immediately, nearly immediately reported it to the Mexican news media that it was the largest uh, cartel ammunition seizure in their history. Uh, and you know, uh, and you heard Carlos too. I mean, it just goes right back to this is this this is just a political game, and this guy is. Uh, he unfortunately got caught up into it. Yeah, I mean, you know, had he been hauling toilet paper or dog food, I mean, he would be sitting at home right now and, uh, you know, maybe just had a little slap on the hand. Uh, you know, we watch the exits more closely, you know. They, you know, Personally, me, yeah, I, I feel the same way about it. It's politics and, uh, you know, they're jumping all over it. But uh, Donna mentioned it earlier. Uh, Donna, if you're still there, I think you said it was I'm right. here again. 10%, you know, uh, or less could actually be used by the preferred weapon of choice of the cartel. So it's, uh, you know, the, the, the facts are just there. I mean, anybody, I think, with common sense um, and understanding that drivers make mistakes and uh, uh, understand this driver made a mistake and he needs to come home. We need to get him home right now. And he doesn't need to spend another day over there. Well, well I, t- I tell you what, when you hear the when you hear the pleas of a mother, like we just heard this evening, um, I just can't I, I can't imagine people that would still, uh, you know, back off of this and not try to do everything they can to get Javen home. I completely agree with you, and I know you and myself, Donna. I mean, we're I'm sure all committed to this and. Um, using our resources and, and connections and um, just voices, you know, in our hearts, using our hearts, because I think, you know, that's what really compelled me on this whole story is my heart for this guy. You know, I, as drivers, we need to unite. You know, who understands our job uh, better than those sitting behind the wheel of an 18 uh, and dealing with the uh, everyday issues that we deal with? Nobody understands better than a driver. So, uh, my heart goes out to him. My heart goes out to his family. I'm praying for them, and uh, I'm committed to helping whatever way I can to uh, get Javen home. So, if the listeners, just make sure you visit uh, FreeJaben. That's J-A-B-I-N dot com. FreeJaben dot com. Uh, look up those phone numbers. Make those calls. It's so important to get those uh, phone calls rolling in uh, to those who have more power and authority to get Javen home quickly and safely. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, thanks for all your help. And, uh, well, listen, on on a lighter note here, I haven't talked to you in a while. How's everything uh, going over at uh, HotelsForTruckers.com? Oh, Alan, we are doing well. It uh, was exciting to be a uh, gold sponsor last year of the first uh, annual truck driver social media convention. So uh, we are looking forward to uh, partnering with you into year number two. Uh, things are going well over here. We're uh, working hard, uh, you know, serving truck drivers. They're loving the service. Uh, the phone calls are coming into the 855 Get Parked, where we'll help the drivers find, get the room set up, set up the reservation, uh, get them discounts. They love the service. Who wouldn't? Driving down the highway with your headset on, of course. 
and uh, get your hotel reservations taken care of by somebody who knows what they're talking about <laughs> getting an 18-wheeler park. Hey, well, can you say that number again? Just uh, you know, if they if they need their hotel reservation made, that one eight hundred number. It's uh, eight five five get parked four three eight seven two seven five, and uh, we're here uh, Monday through Sunday, seven days a week, uh, from the morning to the evening, around nine o'clock on the West Coast. Uh, give us a call. We'll be here to take care of you. Uh, if you need to find a hotel room, we can do that for you. We have thousands of them across the country with full-size truck and trailer parking, uh, not based on anybody else's assessment, but mine as a driver. And uh, we can get you discounts and take good care of you, help you get in where you fit in. Thanks, Dan. All right, Dan. Appreciate it. We'll we'll be in touch, all right? Hey, uh, okay, well, Donna, I tell you, this... Um, this whole thing is just wrong, and in Mexico, if, if Mexico doesn't release Javen Bogan, and if the U.S. trucking industry doesn't rise up about it, I tell you, it's gonna it's gonna say a lot about the drivers in the industry to me. Well, I think um, many of them uh, did feel it was an honest mistake, and those who didn't really had you know legitimate questions. I mean, and I yeah. feel they were answered tonight, and you you can't help but wonder. Uh, you know, well, how could that happen? And just, you know, the fact that, oh, you know, he was carrying ammo. And, of course, they didn't know that less than 10% was really, um, you know, worth anything uh, to to the cartel. So I, I hopefully that the, those questions were answered tonight. And like I said, I can totally understand, you know, question. You, you, you need to. You need yeah. to be. But, um now that the facts are all out, uh, now I believe everybody should uh, jump on board with this, especially since he was cleared by the um, by the organizations that investigated it here. And I believe even the one on you know don't quote me on this. I I thought he said I thought Carlos Spector said um, one of the agencies in in Mexico. So uh, you know it's it's an it's it is an honest mistake and it happens and uh yeah we do need to um you know step up and and all join together on on this one well this is a political fiasco i mean uh, any you know it's just common sense it's political uh Javen bogan is is a he he's a pawn within a country of corruption swimming throughout the mexican law enforcement as well as the entire government and and they asked for and received all legal documents pertaining to the load. The U.S. Embassy in Mexico um, has said that the load was legal and legitimate. I mean, there's just no reason why Javen Bogan should not be released. So I, I think I think one of the hopeful things that um, Carlos said at the end was that the corruption is mostly on the lower levels, but yep. he had a lot of respect for the judges that once it gets to them – that um they're able to distinguish and he even said you know they're they're used to a lot of the exaggerations uh from the the lower level investigative reporting so i think that's the hopeful sign and uh, i think we probably need to hold on to that one yeah well i mean he's right and i, I i've done a lot of research and everything and you know the uh it has gotten better uh, I, I believe with a new president coming in, I don't have it all here in front of me, and they do recognize it. But like Carlos said, there is still a lot of corruption in the lower levels, and especially along the border. 
Uh, I was reading an article today that came out uh, two days ago where American tourist was stopped by the uh, Mexican police, and uh, they set up a speeding trap, and they would stop them and, and shake them down for their money and everything, and that's down on the lower levels along the border. Exactly. So, but there still are – we are still seeing changes at a higher level where they are recognizing, you know, that, you know, this is a problem. So – uh, like you said, going to stand on the belief that Javen will be released, and uh, I, I, like again, I'm sure Mexico will keep the ammunition and they'll keep the tractor trailer. You can pretty much guarantee that. But uh, but we should all be uh, standing up and demand that Javen Bogan be released. So uh, to learn more how you can help, visit the Free Javen website, freejaven.com. Click on the How to Help button. And I'm going to give you some uh, some info right now. So um, you can contact the office of Texas U.S. Senator Kay Bailey Hutchinson at her Washington, D.C. office at 202-224-5922. Other phone numbers are provided on the freejaven.com website. Uh, contact Texas Governor Rick Perry at 512-463-2000 and tell them that you want Javen Bogan released from uh, Mexico immediately. And let's stand up for something, drivers, and let's help Aletha Smith bring her son home safely. And um, uh, so, Donna, let's keep up on this story and and contact uh, the senator and governor's office again and tell them to get Javen home. Sure will. That's on the uh, tomorrow to-do list. And uh, okay, well, I tell you, we'll wrap time down here. Uh, uh, let's get to your announcements. What announcements do you have? Okay, well, um, we'll try to put things on a little bit of a lighter note um, for, for all who are interested in gathering together and to honor professional drivers. And uh, I think this was a good show tonight to show that we do need to unite and honor professional drivers. Uh, there's the 2012 Truck Driver Social Media Convention at Harris Hotel and Casino in North Kansas City, Missouri. Um, uh, what can I say? It's it's an event to share quality knowledge, uh, products, information, services, uh, not just to the professional driver, but to one another. Um, it's our, our theme this year is, you know, honesty and transparency within the industry. And social media is now the new wave uh, of communication, and and it's and that's what they use networking. We use networking during uh, social media. It's a way to openly, honestly, and transparently communicate with your audience. And that's kind of tough for some people to do. But you know, this is the new this is the new thing now. You know, you just can't have a website and uh and that's it you have to communicate and and be transparent so the convention last year provided um an enormous wealth of information we had speakers and presenters and they truly did care about drivers i mean that was all of them i mean you could see the passion uh within them when they gave their presentations um they just shared all their knowledge and expertise and it was it was just a tremendous experience for everybody this year's uh speakers um we have kyla lieberg co-founder of truckers against trafficking and she'll be discussing the founding principles of their organization to educate equip and empower and unite members of the trucking uh and travel plazas industry to combat domestic sex trafficking and Kyla Lieberg is uh, an expert also in social media 
so she'll also be on the social media panel to ask questions. Uh, We have, again, Attorney Paul Taylor of the Truckers Justice Center, uh, another expert in trucking employment law, and he's been assisting drivers for over 20 years uh, with the law office at Taylor & Associates. Uh, We have, again, returning uh, regulatory expert Richard Wilson of Trans Products and Trans Services. Um, He returns uh, this year. Uh, He did such a great job last year, and he'll be discussing the solutions for CDL training and the truck driver shortage. Um, He's also going to discuss other aspects, the hours of service, EBOR, driver medical qualifications, uh, including the uh, institution of the new National Registry of Certified Medical Examiners. So um, that's going to be another great. Rick Ash, uh, he's had 26 years professional driver. He's the chairman of the Trucking Solutions Group and the uh, the subgroup Driver Health Council. Um, He'll be speaking on health issues faced by professional truck drivers and the steps that uh, can be taken uh, to lead them to a healthier lifestyle. Our social media speaker, and uh, forgive us, uh, his bio and pic isn't up yet, uh, but it'll be up on the website probably by next week, um, is Jim Lupkin. He's been using social media um, for, well, 15 years, or long before the term social media was even around. So he surely is uh, very knowledgeable in this field, and he's going to be uh, sharing his knowledge with everybody. Um, Let me see. What do I? uh, Jim has helped thousands of small business owners, and let's see. What are some? Oh, okay. Dr. Michael Harry. He was the co-creator of world-renowned Six Sigma Simplify and to just demystify their social media process. So this this gentleman has a lot of experience, and we're looking forward to him sharing all his expertise and knowledge with with us all. Um, Our MC this year is Toby Bogard. Uh, He was our MC last year. Uh, Mr. Bogard is a professional truck driver with over 1 million safe miles and the author of Semi-Aware and On the Big Road. So we welcome him back. Um, Our special guest, James McCormick, founder of Trucking Careers of America. Boy, how many people has he helped, Alan? uh, Yeah, I know. In the CDL training schools and uh, employment. I mean, you know, he's just a great human being and individual. And if you read, um, we have him and Rich and Paul all up on Ask the Trucker with their bios. So be sure to to read about these uh, these great people that we're going to be having there. Um, let's see, what do I? He's CDL driver training, CDL recent graduate, refresher courses. He helps experienced drivers, um, guides people in training schools. So um, welcome back, Jim McCormick. Hope Rivenberg, uh, she was last year the winner of the Making a Difference Award, and she's going to be back this year, and she's going to be uh, presenting that award to the winner this year. Um, This year it's called the Jason Rivenberg Making a Difference Award in honor of her late husband, Jason Rivenberg. Um, Let's see. We have, oh, I can't forget this. Our our sponsors, who uh, without them, you know, this uh, whole event just wouldn't be happening. 
our platinum sponsor, Pilot Travel Centers and Challenge Magazine. Uh, we thank them, Gold Sponsors, Dynasys APU, and uh, Navistar International. Uh, we thank them. Our silver sponsors, this is Trip Sheet Central, uh, Eddie Gachui. He was the first one that jumped on board this year. Uh, we're very happy to uh, have Trip Sheet Central. Uh, Eddie Gachui was a presenter last year. Uh, another marvelous job he did. Lone Mountain Truck Leasing, uh, one of our sponsors here on BT, uh, BTR. Um, again, coming back as a silver sponsor. The Zata Corporation, they were a bronze sponsor last year. Uh, they stepped up and they're a silver sponsor this year. Our bronze sponsors, uh, Transport Watch, KC Trucker, Allen & Ayers Productions, Truck Drivers Money Saving Tips and Trucker.com and we appreciate them. They do a lot of um, of promoting because they believe in this convention and um, you can go to their websites and you know they, they have all good things to say and we're so happy to have them on board with us also. Uh, we're happy to say that uh, Cobra is going to be uh, donating again as a sponsor uh, a lot of great gifts they they gave away a lot of things last year at the convention and they're jumping on board again uh, we spoke to air dock and idle air and um, they have full intentions of coming on board uh, so uh, i mean i can't tell you how excited uh you know we are about this i know i say it every time but you would have to it would have had to have been there last year to really understand what I'm saying because it was an incredible event. Now getting on, uh, missingtruckdriver.com. The site uh, is up and running. And uh, this all started, uh, Kari Fisher of Share the Road. Um, when Mark Williams <laughs> went missing, they put out alerts on Facebook. Uh, drivers all over, uh, you know, took the alert from, again, social media, uh, and a, a driver found the truck. They found the gentleman. Unfortunately, he was deceased, but uh, if you go through some research, you'll find that many drivers, um, they're gone missing for weeks, and nobody finds them. So uh, Kari developed this missingtruckdriver.com website, and what it is is all you do is you sign up if you want an alert to your phone, then uh, you put in your name, your phone number, and the only time you will ever be alerted is if there is a missing truck driver. And uh, this way, the information will be uh, given what to look for. And when you are in the truck stops, uh, you know, you can keep your eyes open. Uh, just go to missingtruckdriver.com. Uh, also on Facebook, there's the website. Um, missing truck driver, and you can get uh, more uh, more information over there. And there's a lot of conversations going on, and it's very helpful. So we thank you, Kari, for um, for that. Uh, today, the Sun Sunshine Survivor Group, uh, James James Napier is the founder of it. Uh, we spoke to him. And he will be at the uh, Truck Driver Social Media Convention at Harris. Um, they're going to have a booth there. This is an incredible group on Facebook. Their website is under construction. 
But for now, you can go to the Facebook page, the Sunshine Survivor Group, and uh, it's dedicated um, to help those uh, who have cancer, who are surviving and fighting cancer. And I will tell you, if you go to to the page, 90% of these uh, people fighting cancer are children. And there's a, a a new video out, and um, we're gonna we're gonna uh, get it up on the site. They have it on their Facebook page, and if you watch this video, I guarantee you, um, you're you're gonna be touched by it all. So we're happy to say that they're gonna be with us. Uh, besides James, um, some of the founders. I mean, and there's a list of supporters on this. I mean, I, there's uh, Tony Justice, and everybody knows Tony. He's a great guy. Bishop Kenneth Savage, uh, Terry Woolley, Ryan Roush. Um, let's see, Chi Town, Large Cars, Dorothy Jordan, Charles Claiborne. Um, ABC TV in Kingsport, Tennessee. There's just a huge support for this, and we're very proud and honored that they're going to be at the convention um, with us. So welcome aboard, and um, and we'll get the word out for the Sunshine Survivor Group. And uh, I believe that's all we have for this evening, Alan. Um, okay. A lot of things going on. Yeah, we do. Um, you know, a lot of positive things. I think tonight's show was uh was positive in the sense that it cleared up um a lot of questions, legitimate questions that people had and um hopefully, you know, they 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 were answered. So we'll find out though when we get back on Facebook, won't we? <laughs> yep. And uh I tell you, I'm I'm going to start getting ready to have Javen on the show when he's released and home. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. I didn't even think of that, but So, okay. Happy show, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it was good and um hope we hope we answered some questions for everybody uh but uh okay, so that's it. That's it for uh, for tonight, Alan. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks again to our guests for joining us this evening about this very serious situation, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. All uh, all 50 phone lines were full, so if you weren't able to get in, I apologize, but I appreciate you listening wherever you are. And uh, Javen Bogan is a uh, fellow truck driver. He's part of the trucking family, so let's take action and let's bring Javen home. Freejaben.com. Go there, get the contact numbers, and begin calling. And um, that will do it for this broadcast. Thanks for hanging with us, everyone, from the When the Big Rigs Don't Roll CD. Here's I'm in the trucking family. So until next time, for Donna Smith and for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe, and thanks for listening. Badly DOT, dispatcher on me. High fuel, crazy rules, flat tire, no tools. Traffic jam, flim, flam, run around my Uncle Sam. Sheep freight, overweight, they say I'm always running late. NAFTA, messy bucks, coffee from a thermos mug. Four-wheeler switching lanes, driving crazy in the rain. Bad wreck, bottleneck, people start to rubberneck. Fire stars, people shout, stop my rig and pull them out. I'm in the trucking family. All that freight on a concrete sea. I'm in the trucking family. I can handle anything that you throw at me. I'm in the trucking family. Scam schools, half truths, shady companies in.
cutting stops, crooked shops, another driver just got shot. No, I will burn enough in the winter, freeze my butt. Wanna shout, no doubt, company wants to start me out. Dead on this home, at times I feel so all alone. I'm in the trucking family, we haul that freight on a concrete sea. I'm in the trucking family, I can handle anything that you throw at me. This job is tough, but truckers are too. We can haul this freight to Timbuktu. So just get it up, get out of the way. We can take the heat and earn our pay. Family, we haul that freight on a concrete sea. I'm in the trucking family. I can handle anything that you throw at me. Yeah. I'm in the trucking family. We haul that freight on a concrete sea. I'm in the trucking family. I can handle anything that you throw at me. What the heck? Speed trap, wrong man. 